to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. We're talking week 15 of the NFL season. I'm your host, Josh Ryan. As always, I'm joined by Nick Splitter. Nick, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. It's a morning, morning podcast again. Happened a few weeks ago, and uh, we got very lucky with the, the Matt Patricia firing while we were on air, but uh, yeah, you never know what will pop up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I mean, just before we went on, um, some sort of calendar news, which probably is a positive thing for you given the workload that was expected come sort of Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, that that was, uh, you know, we were expected to, to start the Australian Open within half an hour of the, the Super Bowl kickoff. Uh, and uh, now we've, we've got some extra time. We've got clean air for the playoffs, clean air for the Super Bowl. The Australian Open has been delayed a couple of weeks extra. So uh, that's uh, that's handy timing. That's great. It's beautiful. Before we get back into to you know go back to week fourteen and, and talk results, uh, I think the the biggest talking point from from week fourteen was, I think, did we have the game of the year? Did, did the Browns versus the Ravens and, and part of my French, you know, shit all over the rest of the season? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenal game. I, mean, I think we'll, we'll probably talk about the Browns a, a few more times over the course of this show. But yeah, that was that was an unbelievable game. Um, I, I think the Browns kind of had it until they got Lamar late in that yeah. last quarter. It was, uh, is it there, was amazing. Is there, a, is there a better team in sports for Lamar Jackson to leave a game to go and do a shit for <laughs> then against is the Browns? Like, I mean, there was just there was so much comedy gold there. It was, it was just it was just a perfect game for those circumstances and for, for that incident, even though it was quote-unquote cramps. I, I just really wish the Ravens just embraced it. And Lamar embraced it, but um, I, love, I, I will. I, I did love that Lamar came out and said that he he didn't do a, a Paul Pierce, but um, yeah. oh look, it was the, the narratives were great. It was it yeah. was fun. It was entertaining to watch, and uh, yeah, brilliant game. Yeah, RG three had a great tweet as well. I think he had the DK Metcalf uh, running down Buddha Baker, and it was <laughs> Buddha Baker was the Browns' lead, and and DK Metcalf was Lamar after pooping, which I thought was quite. <laughs> Quite funny from RG three. Probably the best thing RG three has done uh, NFL related in years. So good, good for him. Um, all right, uh, let's talk sort of big takeaways from week fourteen. And um, my number one is is Matthew Stafford. I mean, he played fantastic against against the Packers and and tremendous you know job there. But he's now injured. He's on the injury report. And for me, my question is. Do you think he's played his last game for the Lions? Because I think his future is is quite fascinating. You know, um, the future of this franchise is is pretty wide open. As each day goes by, as there's rumblings of a natural divorce between Stafford and the Lions. He hasn't mentioned anything, but they're going to have a new head coach. They're going to have a new GM. There's all sorts of things going on. Obviously, we don't know how things are going to shake out, but Stafford's contract is still a little bit hefty to just throw out. There's a, there's a lot of unknown factors, but you know, will the Lions be in the position to draft a quarterback as well? We we, we really don't know. But he's 33 years old. He's played his entire career for a Lions franchise that's really failed to put you know a good offensive line, a solid running game, um, or or an above average defense around him. He's just wasted most of his prime, just getting bludgeoned to death. He just seems to get injured every single year for this franchise. For me, I think he's a perfect trade candidate for for a team like uh, the 49ers or or Denver or someone that has a decent roster that just needs to upgrade a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a perfect, perfect opportunity for him to, to move on and for Detroit to move on. 
you know, I, I think I've said a few times over the course of this journey that I think Stafford would be would be great at the Colts. Um, there's a, there's a few there's a few franchises that I think that he would fit in well at. But yeah, I think it's kind of inevitable at this point. Yeah, and if if that was his last game for for the Lions, because if he is injured here and and, and it does linger for the next few weeks, then uh, you know it was probably a perfect sort of Matthew Stafford Lions game to sort of summarize his career. Fight really hard, play awesome, keep them in this game, carry them, but still ultimately lose by by a touchdown because the rest of the team can't make a stop or, or can't make a play. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you said that that's kind of been his entire career, isn't it? It's just yeah. the the guy the guy has been a stud quarterback, and he'll never he'll never get that recognition. I don't think probably a little bit like Philip Rivers because his team just hasn't won. Yeah. Um, but you look at his, look at the stats that he's put up, look at the scores, look at the throws, the, the skill that this guy has. The guy is a stud and has been yeah. a stud for a very long time. And it would be a shame for him not to get a chance to, to kind of win once at a, at a good franchise. Yes, yeah. go on a playoff run at least, like have a, have mm. a decent chance because, yeah, when he is healthy, I think he's quite easily a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I, I really rate Matthew Stafford, but. We'll wait and see. I just thought that was quite quite an interesting sort of situation here with his injury, and, and obviously that game's off the board, and we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, my number two takeaway involves your uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm sorry, mate, to do this, but uh, <laughs> I thought Jalen Hurts sort of gives the Eagles, you know, a much needed boost. I mean, look, he didn't play like Patrick Mahomes or, or Russell Wilson or anything on Sunday, but I think making him the starter was probably a, a a good decision from Doug Peterson. It probably saved his job if it was in jeopardy at all. I'm not really sure, but he only completed 56% of his passes. He had a QBR of 58 and a half, but he just injected some sort of life and explosiveness into the Eagles offense with making some plays on the ground and, and opening up that run game that um, sort of just give, just gave them a boost. Look, only time will tell whether he's the, the future of the Eagles at QB, but I think, Sunday's performance just guarantees that he's at least part of that conversation going forward. So um, maybe it was Carson Wentz. And I don't think it's Carson Wentz's future. I just think he's just broken at the moment. And, you know, he might spend the offseason, you know, getting right and fixing up. He's he's just kind of similar to to other sports. He's probably just got the yips. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, they say his name's Jalen Hurts, but I think it's uh, Jalen Helps. and that's where I'm at. With, oh boy, that's where I'm at with oh, the Eagles. Yikes! I'm sorry. That's was, bad. Uh, I haven't had a coffee. That was rough. Yeah, that was that was rough. But yeah, look, I, I, I'm not sure I disagree that it was a bad time to bench Carson Wentz. I think that you know, if nothing else, the guy needed a break, and you take him, take him out of the out of the gun for a, a little while. I, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is the answer. Look, he wasn't good. Let, let's just get that out of the way from the start. Jalen Hurts was not good. Was he dynamic? Sure. Was he good? No, he wasn't. What was the difference for the Eagles here? Doug Peterson called run plays. And whether it was for Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders, the Eagles ran the ball. They ran, they ran, and they ran, and they ran more. And I just, my question is, where was this, where was this game planned to protect Carson Wentz Mm. for the, the, you know, 13 weeks prior? Why didn't they use Miles Sanders? I know he was injured earlier in the season. I knew he's been, he's missed a couple of games, but this guy is a, is, is a stud young rookie. Run young running back um, who who's averaging you know five and a half six yards per carry. Um, why didn't they use Miles Sanders when Carson was getting hit snap after snap? I think that this game and and 
Jalen's performance and, and the way that they played against the Saints probably gave Eagles fans more questions than answers. And I, I still think that um, Doug Peterson, Howie Rosen probably need to go because this game showed exactly what the offense has been lacking all year. And I'm just wondering where that that type of offensive game has been all year. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It is definitely interesting, and yeah, it, it, it was a tough matchup as well to start against the Saints defense. So, look, obviously he can play better, and, and we'll see that. But now teams have got a little bit more tape on him, so we'll see how he adjusts as well. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, one of the other tough. things. I think you know you talk about that that Saints defense, but they've never seen Jalen Hurts play before. You know, exactly. they didn't get the opportunity to see him in preseason. Um, no. Whereas at least with with rookies that are, are the backup, you get to see them in one or two preseason games. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Jalen Hurts outside of college, um, yeah. and this is a very different game, as as we know. So, you know, they didn't really know how to prepare for him. I'm sure they would have tried a few different things at practices throughout the week, but it, it's kind of guessing. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, we'll we'll know a bit more, I think, after this week. Yeah, I think, and this is perfect time. I mean, they they either go on a run and, and Hurts is is you know makes this conversation interesting, or he sort of hits the wall, and and it's just been a a rough year and we chalk it up to Carson Wentz just having a bit of the yips and, and we'll see how he adjusts early on next season. But, you know, at least there's the ability there. If it is more than this season thing that they can go to Jalen Hurts next season as well and, and worry about Carson Wentz's future at the end of next season instead. Potentially, um, or, or trade him or Jalen Hurts decides he doesn't want to be a backup anymore. Yeah. And there's potentially there's, there's interest from outside of the Eagles to, to have him as their number one. Yeah, QB controversy. Love it. Yeah. Love a good off-season <laughs> with that. I'm sure there'll be all rational and reasonable takes this of course. season. Of course, especially in Philadelphia. QB. Yeah, exactly. Um, just calm heads in Philadelphia media. Um, all right, my, my last takeaway before we get to yours is, is Aaron Rodgers actually the MVP this season? Uh, because, I don't know, Mahomes had a bit of a so-so game against the Dolphins um, earlier last week, and then Aaron Rodgers just came out and, you know, I think he solidified his stat- status as 1B or, or even 1A for this MVP. He's, he's had eight straight games with a passer rating of at least 100, and he's only had one game with a passer rating under 100 in, in 2020, and that was against the Bucks, who probably had their best defensive performance of the year and, and are a legitimately good defense. So it wasn't against you know, some bum. It was against the uh, number two rated you know, DVOA defense. So, sorry, number three of DVOA rated defense. At the time, I think I'm number one. But, yeah, is he the MVP? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a two-horse race, isn't it? It's it's Mahomes yeah. or it's Rogers. Um, I think it's, it's probably the, the order is correct. I think Mahomes, after the weekend, is, is $1.45 and Rogers about $2, $2.10, something like that, um, which I think makes sense. And, and, you know, if Mahomes has another kind of cruisy game where he doesn't doesn't need to do a lot, then potentially uh, $2 odds on, on Rodgers is good. But, you know, I, I still think Mahomes has, has the, the front-runner spot right now. All right. Well, if you – I don't know. I have this feeling that uh, Rodgers can win it, I think. I know it's probably a shocking price because you could have had him much higher at any time throughout the year, but $2.70 mm. on off of Aaron Rodgers. If you do believe in the Saints this week against the Chiefs, um, and Aaron Rodgers locks in the one seed uh, for the Packers, and that, that could probably be a nice little price uh, for you. But we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, now that it's now that it's a two horse race, I mean, it has been for a couple of weeks. But if you can, if you can get two seventy, it's probably worth a play as long as you can balance the book somewhere. Um, yep. 
because I still think, I mean, the, the odds is the best gauge, right? And, and Mahomes has been a dollar twenty for the last month, yeah. um, or, or thereabouts. Is now out to a dollar forty-five. So you can probably balance the book somehow with one forty-five and two seventy, um, and make sure that you, you come away with some some profit. But um, yeah, or if if you think that a game against the Saints and then Mahomes might jump out to a dollar seventy, and then you get dollar seventy and two seventy, and you you're you're all good to go. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking because I I don't want to bet against Pat Mahomes at this time of the season. But it is possible that that, that Saints defense bounces back after after the Eagles game and and puts in a tough performance. Potentially, Mahomes doesn't have a great game, and and those that dollar forty goes out to one seventy one eighty. Um, in, in which case, that might be worth a play as well. Yep. All right. There. Oh, I got just one more. Justin Tucker. We talked about the, the Browns Ravens game, but was there ever any doubt in your mind that he was going to hit that fifty five yarder? Because I had none, none at all. I mean, no doubt. Just, no yeah, doubt. He's the he's the greatest kicker of all time, and I, uh, I'm sorry, but like Chef, I mean not Chef, uh, Vinatieri. I don't know why I said Chef, but uh, Vinatieri played played for Indy for a long time, and and I know a lot of Pats fans. That's probably why I said Chef, because he's a Pats fan. Um, uh, we'll say you know Vinatieri, but I mean I don't think there's any doubt. It's Justin Tucker for me. He's that far above and beyond any other kicker in in the current era, and yeah, he's just he's quite unbelievable, but. Um, anyway, what were your takeaways uh, this week? Um, yeah, the Bills. The, are the Bills the second best team in the AFC now? I mean, they're, they're still a game behind Pittsburgh, but yeah. they comprehensively outplayed the Steelers, who were 11-1 at that point. Second consecutive loss for Pittsburgh. They outplayed the Steelers in total yards, 334 to 224. Pass yards, 231-77. Rushing yards, 104-47. First downs, 21-14. And third down efficiency, 50%. I think they were seven of fourteen on third downs compared to one of ten for ten percent and eleven more minutes time in possession. They were just they were clinical and they they just completely outplayed the Steelers. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think they are. I think you could. I think the better question might be: Are they the second best team in the league Ooh. right now? Potentially because the Saints are sort of dwindling a little bit with Taysom Hill. Um, the Packers have some flaws on defense, um, and the Bills' defense is starting to get better. We, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, so yeah, I I definitely think they're the second best team in the AFC, and I think you could you could make the case potentially. I'm, I'm not going to probably say it, but you could put them in the conversation and state your case if you're in a debate and, and felt very passionately about it um, mm. about them being the second best team in the league at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm I'm not quite ready to, to go that far yet, but I think I think you could make a case for them over the Packers just because of the the way that the that, that both lines are performing at the moment on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not quite ready to put them ahead of the Saints yet. Yeah, but I do think if if I'm the Chiefs, the Bills are the the, the team I've circled and saying this is the most dangerous. Uh, team for mm. us to, to play because they can match up well. They can run the ball well with Josh Allen keeping Pat Mahomes off the field. Um, I think they're the team that sort of can make a stop or two if need be, whereas a team like the Titans, they're just so flawed. They're so skewed on offense compared to defense, and, and the, 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 the Steelers are the opposite way. It's so much better on defense than and really struggling on offense. I think they're the, they're the teams. I think, yeah, definitely the Bills. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that they are the, the kind of the perfect um, 
foil for for the Chiefs in in terms of the way that they can attack on both sides of the ball. But my second takeaway is how good can your Indianapolis Colts be and what do they do with Phillip Rivers post-2020? Rivers has been a top 10 quarterback in a lot of advanced analytics and, and efficiency ratings, but he's 18th amongst eligible QBs in QBR. Uh, he only signed a one-year contract and will be a free agent again in a couple of months uh, after this season. Off the back of your chat about Matt Stafford, can you imagine Stafford at the Colts with that offensive line, with T.Y. Hilton, with Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Pascal, plus Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines? That that would immediately be the best offense that, that Matt Stafford has had and the best the best complete roster and squad that he's ever played with. What, yeah. what do the Colts do with Phil Rivers and... and Who's the quarterback next year? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it's the best offense just because he's had Calvin Johnson in, in some in some crazy good weapons at times. But in terms that's of one, that's one guy, Calvin Johnson yeah. will probably be the best player that he's ever played with. Yeah, but in terms of best sure. overall offense and and the yeah, amount of yeah. weapons and balanced offense, yeah. balanced defense yeah. as well. I, I think, think it's, it it would be a way better team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I would prefer Stafford over Rivers in a heartbeat. As good as Rivers has been this season or, or above average as Rivers has been this season. But uh, I think it just depends what happens down the stretch and what happens in the playoffs and, and and how they perform going down if they even make the playoffs. I mean, there's still three games left, but I, th- I think they should make the playoffs. And Frank Wright came out this week and said that, that uh, Rivers has got – multiple years left in him and it sounds to me like they're going to re-sign him it'll be just another one-year deal with the way that the cold salary cap is they can just front end a lot of these deals because they've just got so much money so it's not a huge deal for them to just um load rivers up on on a 2020 but i think this is the season they draft a quarterback and and go hard for for a quarterback potentially and and it might be a scenario where rivers is the starter and and this this rookie will wait a year or six to eight weeks, depending on how Rivers starts 2021, because I don't know if he's got multiple seasons left in him. Um, but, you know, I think I'll trust Frank Reich over most. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the thing that concerns me is is the potential for the Colts to waste this window that they've got. And I love Phil Rivers, and I've been a huge Rivers fan for a decade. Um, but it's clearly not the Phil Rivers of... of San Diego, you know, six, yep. seven years ago. Um, there's some clear regression from his his absolute best. We know that. You know, the guy's a billion. So, um, you know, what what can we expect from a guy who's, you know, on the verge of 40 or so? I don't, I don't know we've seen some 40-year-old quarterbacks, but, um, you know, this is a bloody good Colts roster and a bloody good Colts yep. franchise. And do you want to put that, that short-term future in the hands of, yeah, 38, 39-year-old Philip Rivers. Yeah, and we don't even fact we haven't even factored in what Rivers wants to do. I know he he really his his dad was a high school coach. He's signed a deal that will make him a coach of a high school football team when he retires from the NFL. So he might want to do that sooner rather than later. Um, who knows? I mean, so it, it, there's so many factors there. It's it's hard, but yeah, it, it is a it is a window. But I do think because Chris Ballard is such a good GM that this window might sort of stay open a lot longer than most just because he's just got a very good ability to, to draft sort of these later round players that end up being, um, you know, above average starters. I think, you know, the draft is generally a lottery, but I think Chris Ballard's shown now that he's he's quite an above average drafter. 
Yeah, absolutely. The way that they've built this franchise over the last kind of four or five years is, is really amazing and, and credit to them because they're, they're not a joke, but they were definitely below average, I think, before that um, coming into this this regime and, and what Ballard and, and Reich have been able to do with the Colts over the last couple of years has been really good. Yeah, I agree. Preach. I love I love Chris Ballard. Let's go. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of good and, and good franchises, this is going to be an interesting one. But can we finally call the Browns legitimate? They were they were really impressive last week. We we touched on it earlier. Um, Stefanski finally looks at ease calling plays, and, and the offense is just purring. Baker Mayfield looks every bit the former number one draft pick. Nick Chubb is rivaling Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook as the most damaging back in the league. What we saw on the weekend or, or a couple of days ago has, has been a long time coming for. Cleveland Browns fans, they've got the Giants and the Jets the next the next couple of weeks, and they go in. They win those two. They go in the final week full of confidence that they can beat the Steelers in the final week of the regular season to to you know seal that playoff spot. Um, you know how how good are the Browns right now? Yeah, it's funny we've been sort of waiting and waiting and waiting to to work out well, you know, to get a good read on the Browns, and I think I. I learnt more from that loss mm. than any than any of their wins, which sounds ridiculous. But I mean, their first week, their first game against the Ravens, they just got absolutely pounded, and they showed actual signs of of big improvement. And even during that game, you know, when Baker threw that interception, and 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 you know, I thought, oh, this is it. But they they rallied from that, and they they turned around and they they kept fighting. And and I think Stefanski's. You're right. I think he's doing a great job as a head coach and as a play caller, and I think he's elevated the Browns. And I think I think they are a legitimate team. I don't know whether they can go on a playoff run, um, but I do think that they deserve to be in the playoffs. They've had a, a relatively easy schedule, but you can only play what's in front of you. And and I think that they've done well. And you know, I think they can. They could. They could win a playoff game. Uh, depends on who they match up against. But I, I don't know if they can win multiple playoff games. But I mean, in the January wind and weather and and all sorts, Nick Chubb is you know just as could be just as damaging as Derek Henry was last season. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you look at at their growth and development throughout the year. We, we spoke multiple times through the season about needing to see them beat a, a contender for them to be legitimate. And you're right. I think I think they didn't win this game, but they may as well have from everything that they showed you know, on, on field. Um, they were just they were really impressive. It was the, it's the best game I've seen a Browns team play, you know, from minute sure one mm-hmm. to to the final to the final play for a very very long time. And I think they would be, you know, if if the Ravens win out and if the if the Browns lose that final game or they drop a, a game in the next couple and, and don't make the playoffs, that would be devastating to this Browns franchise. Yeah, I, I think. I think Miami's probably more likely to, to drop a game than, mm. the, than the Browns, but we'll, we'll yeah, obviously wait and see. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, the Browns, like, you leave your opponent with a 55-yard field goal to win a game, you know, 90% of the time you're probably winning that game. It's just happened to be against Justin Tucker, um, <laughs> who we just talked about. But, yeah, I, I think the Browns make the playoffs. I, I give them a big chance to beat the Steelers in Week 17. Yeah, Especially yeah, if the Steelers too. are locked into the – for the number two seed, I mean, we could see them rest some starters potentially. If just depends on what's what's happening with the seeding issues, but yeah, I think I'd be stunned if the Browns aren't in the playoffs. Mm. They deserve to be off the back of that game. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Speaking of a game that's uh, not playoff, the opposite of playoffs, I guess. <laughs> Caliber was the Falcons Chargers game, which I was 
very excited for last week. The disappointment uh, bowl. Yeah, it was. And it was just it was refreshing to see that two sort of two of the league's most laughable franchise sort of embrace their personas um, both on the field and online because uh, I think the Falcons tweeted a Spider-Man meme of the Falcons and Chargers <laughs> pointing at each other and that game was pretty good and, and I thought it was funny that, you know, both these teams know how to, you know, uh, blow double-digit leads um, in the fourth quarter. So what happened? They, they tied to start the fourth quarter. So I thought that was pretty good, but it, this this game was was not quite as manic a finish as we'd like to see, but at seventeen all after the third quarter, this is the last sort of six or seven drives. Atlanta punt twelve minutes thirty five left in the fourth. LA punt nine minutes seven left. Atlanta interception three minutes fifty two left. So LA had a six minute drive that resulted in a punt. Uh, well, not a six-minute, but LA and, and Atlanta combined for two drives. I went for six minutes with a punt and an interception. Then you had LA with an interception with 53 seconds left. Then Atlanta threw an interception. After that, there was 36 seconds left. And then, thankfully, LA kicked a field goal with zero seconds left. Um, but, boy, oh, boy, it was like that. It's just perfect Falcons and charging. And then the end of the first half with Anthony Lynn blowing a field goal opportunity by not – Running a run again, and it was more specials team chaos from the from the Chargers. So you just absolutely love to see it, and I think Anthony Lynn, he should be fired, and, and maybe that transitions us to our listener question. Yeah, it was that, that last call. Like, is laughable is a, a good word because it was kind of like both these teams were fighting so hard, fighting so hard to lose, yeah. and it was it was incredibly entertaining football to watch, but it was not great. It was ugly, yeah. Listen to question. Listen yeah. question. Well, we've got one from from Matt Zemek in, in Phoenix, and we might we might just touch on it, but leave the bigger overarching questions until maybe the first week of the playoffs when, when we've got some more information on what roles are available. But Matt's asked to do the, the coaching carousel. He said, "Give your number one choice, the plan B, and the opposite coordinator if the head coach specialises on one side of the ball for the following franchises." the Lions, the Falcons, and the Texans, and the Jets and the Chargers if they do fire their coaches. So oh, yeah. we, we might, that's might a, touch that's on that. That's a whole episode. <laughs> yeah. We, we, might, we might do that exercise come uh, Black, Black Monday, Monday um, week one of, yeah. of the playoffs. But there are, I mean, there are a lot of good coaches kind of waiting in the wings. Yeah. Do, do you kind of have a, a couple who might be first off, yeah. the, off the block? I've got, a, I've got a list. Obviously, Eric Bien-Aimé, uh mm. obviously for the Chiefs. Uh, Joe Brady for the Panthers, the offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles, again, although I think his ceiling is purely as just being a, a fucking incredible defensive coordinator. Um, if you're looking for a college coach, probably Matt Campbell from, from Iowa would be the, the guy on everyone's names. And then you've got some sort of boom sort of uh, coordinators in Brian Dable, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, Matt Eberfuss, the Colts defensive coordinator. Mm. Um, they're probably the the two that jump out um, and, you know, a name out there that I think Schefter or, or Rapsheet tweeted this morning is uh, is this Brandon Staley, the, the first-year defensive coordinator for the for the Rams as well, is is potentially a, a head coach uh, candidate. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a few more that I'd probably add to that list, and that's the two the two main coordinators at the Ravens, Greg Roman and um, Martindale. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that are probably in line for, for a gig somewhere. I think Robert Sala at 
the 49ers. So Not definitely a miss, Ali, potentially, yeah. potentially someone. And an interesting – well, there's, there's probably two interesting ones. Raheem Morris at the Falcons has proven that he can coach, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets that if he gets that full time gig in Atlanta, or whether he he stays on as a coordinator, whether he goes somewhere else. That that'll be interesting to see. And Bill O'Brien, who I think has shown over the course of his career that he can be a coach, but is an absolutely terrible GM. If someone gives him a chance to to be a, a head coach again without that yeah, GM pressure, I think. I think he's out of the league for for a year or two. I think at best. I think he needs the stink around Houston is just too much, and I think that's just <laughs> it's just all on him at the moment. Unfortunately, even though it probably shouldn't be, but it, it mostly is. Um, I, I agree know, that it, it is, absolute, and I, but it I think most should of, be on him actually. It, it absolutely it should be on him, but I think that I think that comes from the GM responsibility yeah. rather than the coach responsibility. Because yeah, I think when yeah. when he was given opportunities to coach, he he proved that he can be a good coach, and we saw that. You know, during the playoffs, we saw it a few times last season. Um, apart from the fact Absolutely. that he blew, he blew a couple of those leads, but the, the you know the lead against the Chiefs, um, the way that they played in that in that first half was very impressive. And they, the Texans, have been known to play some really good football under Bill O'Brien. Um, yeah. But That's true. Uh, there's far worse coaches that get second chances in this league in in the old boys club of, of the NFL. So should should never touch a GM's office again, though. No, should absolutely not. Absolutely not. So yeah, we'll we'll do this on on Black Monday because there'll be it could be up to seven teams that uh, uh, got new coaches, GMs needing to be filled. Um, let's talk results quickly before we get into Week 15. Uh, you had a you had an amazing week. I had a pretty good week. Two and one on on the best bets, but six and two on podcast plays. I had Chicago money line, which was handy, and and the lock of the week, which. We needed for the podcast just to, to get back on back on track after a couple of slow weeks, but it was a it was a nice fill up for me. Yeah, I went two and one on the best bets as well. It wasn't my best week. I think I finished sort of like five and four or four and four on across the podcast plays. But um, Denver money line was I liked the 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 Broncos plus three and a half, and then Sunday night they started to drift and two seventy five at the money line was available. So that was the savior for me for the week that sort of just pushed me sort of just, just in front for the week overall. So that was good. But, yeah, Baltimore sort of shattered in for us. So. <laughs> um, was handy. Yeah, that was very handy. Um, they should have won by more. <laughs> but what about the uh, if you were Browns plus three and a half better? Oh, um, yeah. With that safety at the end is just an absolute killer. That's that's a horrendously bad beat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could have taken Baltimore minus one and, and, and Cleveland plus three and a half and, and got that nice little middle. And yeah, that just blew it for you. But oh well, right, is, let's get. You don't often see a bad beat with a safety after the. Yeah, I think it happened once last year. There was a Arizona game. It might have been a, a fumble recovery. Ugh. Not doing the lateral thing, and they they fumbled it, and then the other team picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. So, <laughs> oh, all right, let's Very get rough. into week fifteen because we get we get some Sunday like. Actual games on the Saturday games in the US, Sunday games here. So it's it's always fun with the NFL stretched out on multiple bit more bit more days that aren't sort of pandemic related. But let's start with the Thursday night football game in a few hours, and that's the Chargers Raiders Raiders at home minus three totals fifty three and a half. What have you got? The Raiders fired their defensive coordinator. They conceded forty four points to the Colts last week. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines just destroyed the Raiders on the ground, and, and Rivers and T Y Hilton finally sinking in the air and 
the Raiders, they've got four defensive starters missing this week. They've got Ferrell, Abram, Annette, and Morrow all ruled out with injury or concussion. And Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver, is on the COVID list. They're ranked 32nd out of 32 in rush defense DVOA. And this week they come up against Austin Eckler, who's averaging 4.7 yards per carry on the season. He had 5.3 last week and can be really damaging. Um, Derek Carr was picked off twice last week. The Chargers finally won that close one that we mentioned again earlier. Picked off Matt Ryan three times. So it feels like this game could become a bit of a shootout. Both teams in the bottom third in, in regards to defensive DVOA. Both quarterbacks are capable of slinging it. Both teams have capable runners on the ground. You've got Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, as I said before. The big question for me is the coaching in LA. Can Anthony Lynn manage the fourth quarter effectively against John <laughs> Gruden and his offense? If if he can, then I think the Chargers are in this to the end, and I think that they can cover. Some interesting trends that I, I looked at um, just while looking at this game, Hunter Henry scored in each of his last three Thursday night football appearances. He's $3.30 for an anytime touchdown. And the Chargers have won the first half in four of their last six games as underdogs. They're $2.26 to be the first half winner. And, and if you're not sure about the the result, the, the final result, but still want to have a play, that could be a, an angle for you to have a, a little play on. Um, I'm leaning the Chargers plus three, but I'm I'm nervous about it. But I like the overs, 53 and a half. So that, that's the big one, but I'm leaning the Chargers at the, the plus. Yeah, I think you are this I think you covered this well. There's there's not a lot to really add for me, um, you know, except that the, the Chargers are, are potentially missing. I think Mike Williams has been ruled out, and and Austin, not Austin Eckler, uh, Keenan Allen is is in doubt as well. So that Hunter Henry touchdown price might be even better at the three dollars there, um, just given the lack of weapons on in the red zone for Justin Herbert. But the Raiders sort of last three weeks after being on such a high after that Chiefs game. Is incredibly baffling, but I think more so this year than ever with COVID nineteen and injuries, it's kind of just wiped out teams' momentums more so than ever. And I think your teams kind of go on these slumps. So I think the line looks right to me, but we keep waiting for the Raiders to play like they did against the Chiefs um, again. And I don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. So I've got this Vegas minus three and a half, but maybe I'm still rating home field advantage a little too high. Um, but I think. The over is probably the play. The Raiders have been cashing sort of overs all season thanks to that that defense that you mentioned, the thirty second in points per drive, and and their offense is fifth in that same category. So you know they combined for seventy one points. The Colts and and Raiders last week and had eight hundred and sixty yards of offense. So I think you could probably expect something similar here with with the uh, Chargers offense that. The defense held the Falcons to 17 points, but they'd given up at least 27 points in nine straight games dating back to September. So their defense isn't as good as well. So yeah, I'm leaning over 53 and a half. I'll wait till closer to kickoff just to make sure there's not a mass outs with different injuries and things. But yeah, I'm with you. I think over 53 and a half is probably the... Keenan Allen would be a huge out. If, if he's out, then you, you automatically take a few points off that off the board as yeah well, just because he just converts so many third downs for them because he's just mm. such yeah that total's dropped now to 51 and a half which makes mm. me think that Keenan Allen's not going to play so um, if you want to change that for your record books then um, potentially we could make it 51 and a half for you um, given that I did this yesterday <laughs> um, but yeah 51 and a half and, and that line's out to three and a half so you may as well that definitely makes it sound like uh, 
keen on other won't be playing. So interesting. Uh, the, yeah. the, the money never lies. The market never lies. So <laughs> go follow. Yeah, follow the money. Uh, all right, let's go into the Saturday or Sunday games, depending on where you are. Buffalo minus six at Denver. The total is 50. What have you got for us? Interesting one. Stefan Diggs leads the league in receptions on the year. He's got 100. He had another 10 last week. His career high on a, on a season is 102. He already has a career high in receiving yards at 1,167, above his previous best last season, which was 1,130. And he's played two less games. He's having an, an incredible year. And I think you know, we spoke a few, a few weeks ago about underrated wide receivers. I think Stefan Diggs is still underrated despite leading the league in, in some of these categories. The Bills' pass offense is into the top five in weighted DVOA offense and ranks number four for passing offense. An incredible improvement on, on what they put up last year on offense where the Bills were ranked just 21st in total offense and 20th in passing efficiency. The, the increase in offensive efficiency has seen Josh Allen into outright third for MVP. And I know that we spoke earlier about it being a, a two-horse race, and it is with Mahomes and Rodgers. But for Josh Allen to be outright third, even at $34, is an incredible improvement on on what we've seen from Allen and, and the Bills' offense in previous years. It, it's quite a, an astonishing and, and stunning turnaround from a, a team that was really was known for its defense. And, and all, they had, all they wanted to do was be league average offensively. Now they've flipped that. They're, they're way above average offensively, and they're kind of just getting back to league average defensively um, in, in terms of the numbers that they're, they're putting up. It, it really is amazing, and, and the Bills front office and, and coaching staff need to need a, a huge pat on the back for what they've been able to do with this franchise. And despite their issues this season, the Broncos are still quite strong in terms of pass defense. They're ranked eighth in the league, but who's ranked number one? The Pittsburgh Steelers are number one in the league for pass defense, and the Bills just dismantled them with Josh Allen and the offense last week. The improvement in the Bills' defense over the second half of this season, they're into 13th weighted DVOA defense, and their dynamic offense. I think the Bills are too good for the Broncos here, even with that that Denver home ground advantage that is, you know, like like you said, and like we've said a few times over the course of this this um, season, that is the, the only real home ground advantage this season with, without crowds or limited crowds um, in Denver. So I might have a, a little dabble on the double this week with the under 50 total. I just don't see how the Denver offense is going to score points against the re-emerging Buffalo defense. Four of the last five Denver games have gone under. Uh, I can kind of see this being a 27-10 kind of game. So I'm leading Buffalo minus six and, and the under 50. I'll have a play on both of those and I'll probably have a little play on the double as well. Hmm. I'm not going to going to this game too much again because I think you just covered it so well but I've got this line minus five and a half uh, Buffalo but that was before I saw the state of the Denver secondary it's just incredibly banged up and, and Fangio confirmed Duke, Duke Dawson and Kevin Tolliver both sustained season knee season ending knee injuries against the Panthers so mm. they're joining Bryce Callahan, Essan Bassey and AJ Boye on the list of unavailable cornerbacks against Buffalo so they're missing five of their, their top five corners for this game, and they're, they're playing against the Bills, who, when looking at this game, realise that they're one of the league leaders when it comes to running four wide receiver sets. So you're going to have like a massive matchup advantage in favour of the Bills here, with with John Brown potentially back as well. You've got Stefan Diggs and Co running at a bunch of rookies and practice squad players on secondary, and I just think that's a mismatch that's just too hard to to overcome for Denver. And as much as I respect Vic Fangio's defensive prowess, I think that the Bills easily drop a 30-burger here. 
So I'm going to take the over 27.5 Bills team total as my primary play um, here. And, and the rest of this game then comes down to whether you think Drew Locke, fresh off, is probably the best performance of the year. And this young offense, whether they can put up some points of their own at home against the Bills defense. And if you do, then you probably avoid the Bills minus six at, at mile high, but then you'll probably just take the over 50 or it's even down to 49, 49 and a half at some places as well and, and take that instead. Um, so I lean Buffalo minus six, but I'm over on, on the Buffalo team total this week. I, I think um, they can score 30 against anyone. Don't mind it. Team totals. Like it. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to Carolina at Green Bay. Green Bay minus eight and a half. The total is 50. One and a half. Um, I'm going to be pretty simple on this one. It's probably a bit of a square play, but I'm not going to overthink it. Uh, Packers obviously need to keep winning to, to stay atop the NFC and get that buy and and secondarily help Rodgers secure potentially another MVP. And you've got two teams here that are much, much, much better on offense than they are on defense. So Green Bay are first in DVOA offense, second in EPA per play. Carolina are ninth in DVOA offense and 12th in EPA per play. And then you look at their defenses. Carolina are 27th in DVOA, 26th in EPA per play, and, and Green Bay are 20th in DVOA and 18th in EPA per play. I think over 51 and a half here is the play. I'm, I'm feeling it's going to be like a 34, sort of 21 type game. Um, I think the Packers easily score 30, and, and I think the Panthers can can easily score sort of 20, 20 plus as well, especially with DJ Moore back for, for the Panthers. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the overs is the, the play here. The concern for the Packers is that that back door. Um, the Panthers running capacity, they've got Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey if he's back. They're really able to exploit that defensive line that allows the ninth most running back yards per carry. So there should be plenty of points. So I, I'm with you. I think the, the over is the play here. Yeah, I think the back door is definitely a concern, um, just given what we saw sort of Bridgewater do against the Saints and the Chiefs and, and a lot of those really good teams is he, he keeps fighting and fighting and he nearly did it against Denver. They had a 14-point lead and, and it came down to the wire still. Um, so I think that's the thing with the Panthers and, and Overs games is that they never stop and Matt Rule you know, can still call really, really good plays on offense for them right until the very end. Agreed. Uh, all right, Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota minus three and a half. The total is 47. You got anything here? No, I'm not going to touch this one. This is a, a complete steer away from this one. Yeah. I'm not overly keen on a side here, and you'll sense that trend for me as this week goes forward, that my numbers don't really have too much um, different on a lot of these games except for, like, the massive spreads. But I, I'll talk about that in a little bit. It's hard to factor in motivation, so I, t- I tend to avoid. Um, but I think. On on this game, I prefer the over forty seven. It's a it's been a much better showing offensively from the Bears since they switched back to Trubisky. They're still well below league average, but they're they're making some strides anyway for them, um, which is kind of a big deal. And and I think uh, they're still well and truly in the playoff hunt. The Bears, which is fucking wild, considering they're one and seven across their last eight games. But they, there's still a path for them if they run the table and, and certain results go their way. Um, you know, such as the Cardinals losing to Philly this week, which is, you know, not a crazy thing to happen. Uh, so I like the over 47. I think both teams have been trending more as sort of overs teams over the last month after being involved in sort of more low-scoring games earlier this season. Um, both teams rank inside the, the, the top or the bottom. It's hard to tell where these stats are. It's leaking points. 
but they've allowed, uh, in terms of opponents' points allowed per game over the last month. So um, they've both been pretty bad in leaking points. I think this game hits 50-plus, so I'll take over 47 here. Yeah, look, it's a big call taking the overs in a, in a Chicago game, but um, no, don't don't mind it. But I'll, yeah, I'll be staying away from it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Houston at Indy. Indy minus seven here. Total is 50 and a half. What have you got? Well, the Texans were embarrassed. Speaking of the Bears, the Texans were embarrassed by the Bears in Chicago on Sunday. That was the best all-round performance of the Bears' season. But let's not get this twisted. This, this rivalry between the Texans and the Colts is heated, and the Texans will be looking to bounce back hard in this one. They played just a couple of weeks ago. It was a six-point differential the Colts' way. The last three matchups going back to October 2019 have all been under a touchdown, and I think that that trend continues as I said earlier, Phil Rivers and T.Y. Hilton are finally in sync. It's been a very long season for T.Y. Hilton. It's been a long couple of seasons for T.Y. Hilton. But he now has three consecutive weeks over 80 receiving yards. He's had four touchdowns in the process over the last three. His line of 75-plus yards at $2.20 against the 26th-ranked DVOA pass defense looks unders for me. So I'm I'm going Houston at the plus seven, but I'll also be playing T.Y. Hilton plus 75 receiving yards at $2.20. Yep. Uh what rivalry are you talking about? I mean, the Colts have won most of the last eight games, but no, I, I do agree um, a little bit. I've got this Indy minus six, so I definitely lean Houston getting the points over the touchdown, over the the, the hook, the plus seven and a half. Um, I do have a few concerns for Houston. Firstly, they've, they've just lost safety Justin Reed for the season, which leaves you at another hole in their secondary that's missing players through injury, suspension and everything. And you just mentioned T.Y. Hilton. He always plays well against the Texans, even when he's not playing well. Um, so that's definitely I love that bet there at seventy five plus receiving yards. I think that's that's a that's a great play. Um, and my other concern is just motivation. Their season's over. They've not been, you know, it's been over for weeks, but they haven't really been dramatically that much better under Romeo Cornell. So I think the focus is very much front office related for the Texans, and I'm not sure how that translates on the field for them. Um, I don't know if Romeo Cornell's really coaching for a job. I think he knows that once this season's up, he's he's probably either being relegated back to defensive coordinator or being fired. So it's just really hard to, to judge a team, teams like this uh, this late in the season. It is. It is. I just think that any team, with, and we, you know, we've spoken a number of times about Deshaun Watson, that any team with Deshaun Watson under centre is, is going to, be a task for for opposition. And I think this week, yeah. you know, Houston are going to want to bounce back. That was that was a disgraceful display from them last week. Yeah, it was. And I was on the over in that game, and for them to not even get into the end zone was just that was a horrendous beat. Um, all right, Jacksonville at Baltimore. Baltimore minus thirteen total is forty seven and a half. And I mentioned earlier that like my numbers, like a lot of the sort of the ugly dogs this week. I think Cincinnati, Jacksonville. And the Jets are like my num- the biggest discrepancies in my numbers. But I just, this is the last few weeks where I start to deviate away from them because it's just obviously hard to quantify, um, you know, motivation and and not tanking per se, but um, just teams that are properly, or not even teams, just players that are properly having a dig fighting for contracts. And then obviously the ones that are not. And the ones that are not are always the better players because their futures are already locked up. So um, it's just very hard to, to judge across the board. I think the Ravens win this game, but I think the back door will be wide open. And, you know, speaking of players' motivation, Minshew's a guy that I think is going to fight to the very end. So, yeah, 13's a lot. Um, but And I think Minshew's their best option at quarterback for the, for the Jags. So, this is just a clear avoid for me. Yeah, we spoke last week about the Ravens being back and, and 
the way that they played last week. They needed to win. Um, and the, Lamar Jackson looks more like Lamar Jackson. It was a, another perfect example of, of that last week with his run game. I think this is another perfect spot for another big Lamar Jackson and, and Ravens run game. It's hard to pick you know, kind of which, which running back is going to go off in any given week between you know, you've got Lamar Jackson, then you've got J.K. Dobbins, you've got Gus Edwards. I don't know if Mark Ingram's anywhere near returning at all yet, but I think this line is too high for me to, to take a play on for a short week for Baltimore after such a tough grind last week. Um, it's a pass for me, but I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on those those run lines for a lot of the, the Ravens guys just to, to see if there's any value there. Yeah, I think Mark Ingram has actually been back for weeks. He's just not I getting any snaps. Done nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it just just it just feels like he's not I know, back because it's I know he got he's reactivated. Kind of a bit of, yeah, I, I know he got reactivated after the COVID stuff, but I literally have not noticed him on the field I think at all. So. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think he's played like ten snaps in the last yeah. couple of weeks. I mean, I don't yeah. know if he's properly healthy or yeah, he had six. He, he rushed the ball six times for twenty eight yards uh, against the Cowboys. So um, he's been back. I don't think he played last week though. So um he's had he's had one one game back, but yeah, it's it's clearly Gus Edwards and, and uh JK Dobbins backfield for now. So I really like um, JK Dobbins. Of, yeah, he's, he's a, a gun. he's a great player, yeah. Um all right, let's go to New England. New England at Miami, the, the line is, is minus one or it was last night, totally is forty one and a half. Uh yes, it is still minus one. Um this this move from minus three to minus one in a in a, in a Day, I think it was very quickly. A lot of sharps are on New England plus two, plus two and a half, plus three here at the current number. Um, my numbers like Miami minus one, but I haven't been able to get a read on the Pats all year, um, so I'm avoiding it altogether because yeah, it's just I, I just don't know. If anything, I'd probably take the under, but forty one and a half is pretty low. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just hard to see New England putting up a lot of points. Um, and if New England are going to cover, it's going to be sort of like a 19-17 type game or 17-14 or because I'm still not convinced with Miami's offense as well. Miami's defense, you say not convinced, that they're allowing the second fewest points in the league coming into week 15. They're oh, tied no, I mean, for the... I'm, I'm not convinced with their offense. Their defense is, gotcha. is definitely definitely legit. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're also tied for the, the league leading takeaways as well. They're 10-3 and three against the spread this season, the Dolphins, and that includes five straight home covers. Cam Newton has 272 passing yards over his last three games total. 272 Jeez. passing yards total <laughs> over the last three games. And with the Dolphins still in the hunt to, to make the playoffs, they're, they're going to be hungry as hell for this. They're going to come into this game extremely motivated to beat a, a division rival and, and effectively put an end to the, the Pat season. So I'm, on the, I'm all on the Dolphins train here. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard with the Pats. I mean, they... They win forty five nil and then lose twenty four to three seven days later. It's just, it's just like, and then it's like you know they lose they, they barely beat the Jets by three and then come out and beat the Ravens the next week. It's just like a real Jekyll and Hyde type approach. I mean they got pumped by the Forty ers earlier in the year and then they came out and they probably should have beaten the Bills on the road. So it's just, I think it's the perfect spot. I think Belichick can't lose now because he, you know, he had them playing hard for for most of the season, and, and everyone was saying, "Look, Belichick's still a still a yeah. legend. He's a great I mean, coach, and he's got them playing yeah. despite everything. They're playing some decent football, and they're winning a few games. Yeah. But now is the perfect spot for them to lose. They can they can they can win me the uh, the underline that I was on them early in the preseason, <laughs> and uh, they can they can you know build their uh, their asset bank in, in terms of draft assets and still get all their guys back for next season. 
It would be very Patriots to beat the Dolphins and Bills and then lose to the Jets in week seven. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. It would, be. Be. it would be. Um, if there was a way to multi that, I would just for a bit of a, bit of a <laughs> laugh, but obviously we can't. Um, all right, San Fran minus three at Dallas. The total is 45 and a half. Uh, when I do my look ahead and early lines on, on Monday afternoon, I took San Fran minus one and a half immediately. Um, because I thought, yeah, I have the minus three and a half here. So I thought you're going to get, I'm going to get to under a field goal with one of the best play callers in football, Kyle Shanahan going against Mike Nolan. I mean, yeah, I was all in that. Um, I still love San Fran here at the current number. I think this is a great bounce back spot for them. And, and Dallas have had a couple of, I mean, they're back on the wind board a little bit, but they've had some easy matchups and, and, you know, playing against the Bengals was just, I mean, I was on the Bengals last week, but they're just, even more awful than I than I realised. So I think the Cowboys. Uh, this is a much much better matchup for San Fran, and I, th- I don't think the Cowboys have much. Oh, I do think they have a chance, but I just think at the current number, I, I love San Fran minus three. Yeah, I wish I I wish I followed your look ahead calls because I, I never get in that early. I always wait until the last minute. To, to find the, the, the moving lines at the end. That way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, often, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of sharps say that they get the best value early in the week, and they're probably right. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's tough. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, there's not much more I can add to that. If you're gonna you're gonna pick a side between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan, give me give me Shanahan every day of the week. But, um, yeah, I've got not a whole lot more to add. I mean, San Fran is still 16th in, in weighted DVOA despite all their injuries and, and everything and, and playing a backup quarterback and, and things like that. But it's it's still – they're still fighting every every week. And it's just for Dallas. I mean, yeah, they win 30-7 to 7 or whatever it is against the Bengals and the line the line opens minus one and a half. just seems just <laughs> they're two different teams. I mean, the 49ers are still – even though they lost, they're still technically – in the race, um, a lot of things have to go their way, but they, they're still alive and they need to keep winning. So um, you can't really factor in any sort of motivational thing at all here for the 49ers. All right, Seattle minus five and a half at Washington. Probably the only other game this week that has sort of two playoff teams in it, potentially, um, with Washington in the clubhouse lead at the moment with the NFC East. A lot of the, lot of the games, I don't think there's two winning teams apart from Saints, uh, Chiefs in in all these matchups. It's a bit of a a weak schedule, but I love Seattle here minus five and a half. If it is Dwayne Haskins at QB, um, Alex Smith hasn't been great, but he's competent enough to keep Washington in the game and 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 cover. And I, I just think Dwayne Haskins is awful. Um, so um, I'm going to keep an eye on this and, and try and be heavy on the alerts when it's properly confirmed that it'll be Haskins um, or Smith. But I love the under here regardless. I think Washington's defense defensive line should have Russ sort of running for his life for most of this game. And Seattle's defense has been great over the last month. Uh, I just struggle to see how the skins, with, especially without Antonio Gibson, you know, scored 20-plus points here without a defensive or, or special teams touchdown just because their quarter play is just quarterback play is so below average. So I'm taking the under 44.5, and, and I'm going to take the Washington team total under as well at 20.5. Yeah, it's a pass for me, this one. If I had a lean, it would be the under, like you said, but um, it's a pass for me. Okay, let's move on. Tampa Bay minus six at Atlanta. Total is 50 and a half. What have you got? Bucks just to keep winning. I think this is Brady time, and, and I'm not expecting monster Tom Brady to come out throwing bombs over the next few weeks. That's not what I mean by Brady time, but I'm expecting him to lead a very balanced squad to win out and fight hard in the playoffs. 
I think they win and they win well and they cover here. I'm on the minus six. Just expecting him to game manage like he has exactly. done for most of his career. Yep, for the last 15. Yep. <laughs> Tongue in cheek. Oh, I wish Dane Roy was on here to control him with that. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I've got really no feel here. The line and total look pretty spot on for me. Uh, Matt Ryan's form the last couple of weeks has not been great. I mean, I don't know what it is, but for the first sort of eight weeks of the season, him and the offense were fighting really hard and it was Atlanta's defense that was letting them down. And now the script is completely flipped and their offense has just not seemed to be in a rhythm at all. And, and their defense is playing a lot better and their offense is letting them down. So um, I don't think Dirk Cutter is, is the answer. I think he should be fired at the end of the season. Um, it, it took Tom Brady a few seasons, a few series, sorry, to get going. Um, last week, but I think he finished the game pretty strong and I think he'll um, need to go on with it here against Atlanta. This isn't an automatic win, but yeah, I'd be surprised if Tampa don't win this game. Um, All right, New York Jets at the Rams. The line here is 17 points. Total is 44. The Rams, their number one rated defense in EPA per play now, so they've overtaken the the Steelers. They're closing in on the number one rated DVOA defense here, uh, and I think they'll probably do that after this this game um, if it goes to how we expect it. I think we, we talked about Brandon Staley uh, atop the show when looking at potential head coaching candidates, and I mean, he's having some year as a, a first year defensive mm. coordinator, um, and it certainly helps that you know your best player and the anchor of your defense is the de- best defensive player of the 21st century, without any doubt in my mind. But I just don't know how the Jets are scoring here. I just I mean, yeah, I just don't get it. Um, New York Jets team total under 14. I got earlier in the week. I think it's into 13s now or 13 and a half. You'll have to shop around there. Um, but I just just don't see them scoring enough points, especially if Sergio Castillo is kicking for them. He was awful, awful, awful last week. Um, my long shot this week is the Rams to win to nil, $13. I think that's not a bad shout at the price. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a pass for me, but I, I like both of your plays there. I might have a little a little dabble on both of those, but um, no. Otherwise, it's a pass for me. That line is just way too big. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Castillo got cut, so that that definitely hurts the win to nil uh, scenario. It looks like Sam Ficken might be back, but uh, if he's not, then there'll be some other rookie kicker, which definitely bodes well for for the for the Rams and the Jets. Um, all right, let's. You, you can't take minus seventeen or too high. Just too, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's tempting. Um, Philly at Arizona. Arizona minus six and a half. Total is 48 and a half here. Um, my number's like the Eagles. Um, I think, as I said, Jalen helps more than hurts at this point. I think his addition by subtraction, <laughs> I'm just watching you put your hands into your face. I know that, I know that image far too well. Um, but yeah, I just think addition by subtraction, just because I think Carson Wentz is just so broken and, I've got this Cardinals minus five, so I definitely lean the Eagles. If it gets to a flat seven, then I'm all over the Eagles here. But look, the Cardinals were pretty impressive last week, but it's, just, it's a different task here against Phillies, especially if their line plays like they did last week against the Saints. They did a very good job. I don't think Chandler Hurd's got sacked once, which I know he's a little bit more mobile in the pocket than, in the, than Carson Wentz, which certainly helps. But um, I think it's a different different task against the Cardinals, but I, I probably prefer the over here at 48 and a half because the Eagles should be able to score sort of 20 points now that they've got an actual quarterback behind center and the, the Eagles secondary is missing a lot of players and you'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure Nick, but 
just don't know who's stopping DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk here. I think they did very well against Taysom Hill, but Kyler Murray actually plays the quarterback position. So I think this total hits 50 plus. Um, so I like the over 48 more than I like the Eagles plus six and a half. Interesting. Yeah, look, it's, it's a pass for me. Uh, Jack Driscoll is out for the uh, for the Eagles now, rookie tackle. Uh, so that's another change on the offensive line, which I think will make it 13 combinations on the offensive line in 14 games, which is an incredible stat. But, um, yeah, look, like you mentioned, the Eagles secondary is woeful outside of Darius Slay, who's just – he's been unbelievable. He's – what he's been able to do in that secondary with the guys around him has been has been impressive. But you know, one one guy can't do it on his own. Um, but yeah, you're right about Kyler Murray. I'm, the, the only player I'm having on this game is Kyler Murray over three hundred passing yards, three dollars twenty. I think that's almost money for jam against this secondary. There you go. I like it. A good good long shot play or potential play for you. Uh, Kansas City minus three at New Orleans. Total is fifty one. And a half. What's your thoughts? Match of the week. The only oh, question obviously. is, yeah. <laughs> the only the only question is, is it going to be Taysom Hill or is Drew Brees back? He's, he's been reactivated. I think, I think it's uh, all but confirmed that it's going to be Taysom Hill at quarterback. Sean Payton said Drew Brees. This is from Adam Schefter late last night. Still has a ways to go in his recovery from eleven broken ribs and a punctured lung. He's someone we're not uh, going to just hurry back and put him in the game. So that sounds like it's going to be Taysom Hill. You trust what Sean Payton says to the media, though? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, if if I'm honest, it doesn't really matter to to me in terms of betting this game because the, the Chiefs have failed to cover in their last five. They, they've been favoured by a total of forty one points, and they've won by just twenty one. The the Saints just mm. got beat by a rookie quarterback and the woeful Eagles. So you can count me out of this one. It's going to be really interesting to watch, though, um, and to see how this one pans out. I definitely lean Kansas City now that it's pretty, you know, ninety nine point nine percent chance it's Taysom Hill. So I definitely lean the Chiefs minus three, but um, I think I'm more interested in this game from a like a futures perspective and, and mm. a playoff perspective because this is a massive game for the Saints with their playoff hopes because that loss to the Eagles was was awful for them because I think this is kind of a Super Bowl for their Super Bowl chances the Saints because. If, if that even makes sense. Uh, I think they need to win this game to stay within reach of Green Bay and, and hope that the, mm. the Packers drop a game potentially and it could be against the Titans next week, which which could happen. Um, and I think more than any other team, the Saints' Super Bowl aspirations rely on Drew Brees getting an extra week off and not having to play outside in the elements. And I, we, I know home field advantage is gone, but it's more for the Saints, I think, more so than ever, playing inside the Superdome and not outdoors in, in Lambeau or, or Seattle or anywhere like that um, is, is way more important. And they still might host, you know, the NFC Championship game with the two seed. There's every bit the chance the Packers lose in the playoffs. But I just think it's just, just a massive game for the Saints' Super Bowl chances for me. And and the thing about betting on the, on the Chiefs against the spread is that I don't think they really care care or, or have to care about this game, to be honest. I mean, they mm. can save all their players for the playoffs now with the Steelers shooting the bed a little bit because, um, yeah, the Chiefs have pretty much locked up the number one seed here and so they can pretty, pretty much put the towel in or the queue in the rack and, and relax until the playoffs. But in saying that, the Chiefs' two best games this year have been against sort of the better teams that are going to be in the playoffs, the Ravens and the Bucks, And so we could see them run this game kind of like a playoff warm-up for them and, and just get ready and then sort of shut things down and get ready for the divisional weekend. So 
I'm not sure, but I'll probably end up taking the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, you're right. That that stat with only winning by 41, but despite being the favourite by 41, is pretty pretty staggering, really. When you when you consider the, the quarterback that they have. Yeah, I think this, you're right. This game means a lot more to the Saints than it does to the Chiefs, and and I think that that loss last week to the Eagles really threw a spanner into the works for the Saints because that, you know, they they would have been looking at the schedule going that they could they're going to win out and. You know, and, and and losing to the Eagles just would not have been part of the plans at all. No, definitely not. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, all right, Cleveland minus four and a half at the Giants. The total is forty three and a half. I think that total is yeah, out to flat. Five. I think that line's out to flat five at some places, but there is still a four and a half around. So we'll leave it in there. Um, I like the Browns four and a half here. I know this is a short week after that emotional loss for the Browns, and it's a classic letdown spot, especially for uh, a team like the Browns, who are always a letdown team. Um, but I think the Browns bounce back, as I said, after some bad errors in that game, and, and their fourth quarter was huge. And, and we mentioned how impressed we are with Kevin Stefanski calling players on offense, and even things like making challenges and, and picking up on things like running plays with. 15 men on the field for the Ravens. Uh, how did the refs not <laughs> throw the flag there? Like, are you kidding? Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and I think the biggest issue for me for the Giants last week was was their O-line. Like, Hassan Reddick had Andrew Thomas's lunch last week. And, and, I mean, when you think of the Cardinals, you don't really think of dominant defensive line. Um, and they still just absolutely decimated the, the Giants O-line, which is putrid. And now you've got Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon and co., um, it's just really hard to see the, the Giants' offense get going, especially when it looks like it's going to be Colt McCoy again, who doesn't have Daniel Jones's mobility, and it looks like Freddie Kitchens will be calling plays with Jason Garrett put on the COVID list. Um, so the potential Freddie Kitchens revenge games ha- has me a little bit scared here, um, but I think while the Giants' defense has been pretty good against the run this year, they haven't been as good over the last few weeks, and I, I think Nick. Nick Chubb's just matchup proof. Yards after contact, he's mm. there's no one better in the league. He's better than Derrick Henry. He's better than Devin Cook after contact. Um, it's it's pretty impressive how strong Nick Chubb is. I think the Browns should win here. I like them. I know it's a bit of a square play, and it, it looks like a trap game, but I'll take the Browns minus four and a half here because yeah, the Giants are starting to limp home. Yeah, I think years of watching the the Browns in these spots means that I I just can't play this game because you're right. It feels like a classic. Browns let down spot. Um, and even though they didn't walk away with a win last week, they were still bloody good and, and did everything but win. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people are going to be on the Browns here and it's perfectly set up for the, the Browns of old, but I'm also not willing to take the Giants. So it's a, it's a no play for me, but you're right about Nick Sharp. Right. He's a beast. Absolute yeah, beast. Just play, playing so well. Uh, all right. Two games to go. Pittsburgh minus 13 at Cincinnati. The total is 40. Um, this is a pass for me. Like, why is this game in prime time? Like, I know, like, even if they expected Joe Burrow, like, fucking hell. Like, week 15, and you're like, yep, yeah, let's put the Bengals in prime time. I mean, I mean, surely, like, a month ago, a month they could have flexed Chiefs Saints into this spot. Surely. Easily. It's, it seems bizarre to me that the scheduling. But yeah, pass for me. I mean, since you were, like, I just don't understand. I just. You can't possibly lay 13 with the Steelers after the last couple of weeks, but you can't possibly take Cincinnati after that showing last week. I mean, it was just dreadful. 
Yeah, no, huge pass for me as well. Uh, and the last game is is off the board, obviously, with Matthew Stafford's status, which is Detroit at Tennessee. A couple of books are up at minus 10 and a half, the, the Titans, but I'm going to pass anyway. It's a real sort of a meh game for me. I think the, the Titans win, but uh, who knows? I think Derek Henry props is, is probably the play. He needs 486 yards in the last three games to get into the 2000 club. He could have 200 again here against Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I if if it was on, I'd, I'd be leaning the Titans here. Um, but yeah, it's a, for now, it's a pass without knowing all the details. All right, um, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with our locks, best bets, and long shots. And uh, I think the only play would potentially be the over in the 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 Packers uh, Panthers game or San Fran minus three. I think. Uh, which one do you prefer? Well, probably the overs. Okay. The overs. Right. We'll lock in the overs, but I, I do think... San well, you want to have two? Do you want to have two? Yeah. Well, let's do San Fran minus two and a half on the proviso if it, if it does ever dip back under three. Um, All right. It would be a lock, an automatic lock for us. But, uh, yeah, I think Green Bay and, versus, uh, and, and the Carolina Panthers uh, over 51 and a half is no. our uh, lock of the week here for us. Another total here. A bit of a square play, but I just... It just seems too obvious with these two teams that are just unbelievably much better on offense than they are on defense. Sometimes you've got to go with the chalk. It's chalk yeah, for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, betting overs in in twenty twenty has been profitable. So true. It's the way to go. All right. Uh, my best bets this week are Seattle Washington under forty four and a half. Even though I've just said betting under, uh, overs has been profitable, um, I prefer the overs here at uh, the unders here um, with the forty four and a half. Bills over twenty seven and a half team total. I think they score 30-plus here against Denver. Um, and I like Cleveland, minus four and a half, which we just mentioned a little bit ago. Um, and my long shots, I like uh, the Rams to win to nil um, at $13. That'll be a quarter of the, the long shot unit. Uh, the other quarter of the long shot unit will be Stefan Diggs, 150-plus receiving yards at the $6 here against the Broncos to play the secondary. And then the other half of my long shot here is a team total multi uh, New York Jets under 13.5 into Washington under 20.5 at $3 there in the team totals. I'm preferring the team totals um, in the mm. back end of the season here because I think you can factor in sort of teams' motivations. And when you've got teams that are heading to the playoffs against teams that aren't, um, you can just pretty much bet on that team to play well rather than worrying about the spread and the, the overall total. Um, so that's where I'm at. What have you got for us? Yeah, like it. Yeah, like I said, I've gone the, the Packers, Panthers over 51.5. Uh, Houston Texans plus seven and Miami minus one. I've gone two long shots this week. As I mentioned earlier, Austin Eckler, uh, 100 plus rushing yards and one touchdown, one or more touchdown at $5.50 for half a unit. And Kyler Murray, 300 plus passing yards, $3.20 for half a unit. And yeah, the, the player prop of the week that I found that I liked earlier that I mentioned was T.Y. Hilton, 75-plus, receiving yards at $2.20. It's, it's set up beautifully for him. Beautiful. Uh, I like that as well. I think I, there's a, a player prop here on the – or like a, like a builder bed or, or something on the tab. Eckler to have 75-plus uh, yard, rushing yards and a touchdown at $9 Ooh. at the tab, I think, wow. is, is a decent uh, play in today's game, especially if Keenan Allen – is out. Um, so, yeah, that could be a, a better play for yeah, you there. Absolutely. You might want to slot that in. 
Definitely. Uh, to, Definitely. to the uh, long shot instead. Um, it, says RS, it says RSYD, which I assume is rushing yards. Um, if it's receiving yards, then the $9 makes a lot more sense. But I think with receiving yards, I think they, they, they normally put RC. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely think yeah. that's probably a better play. So, um, is that 75? 75. Plus, 75 plus rushing yards and one plus touchdown at $9. Because that 550 yeah. was sports bet. So, was, yeah, interesting. Not often, yeah, you get a, not often you get props, better prices at tab. But jump on that one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so... All good. All right, that wraps up the show for week 15. Um, we may or may not be back next week because uh, it's Christmas um, and there's a whole heap on. So just keep an eye out. We might just tweet out our best bets and long shots or we'll just do a quick quick recap uh, of, of week 14 and, and maybe just just finish with our best bets rather than previewing the whole thing. It's hard to find time uh, this time of the year with, with Christmas and, and everything going on. But uh, it's been a great year. And uh, if not, we'll be back. Uh, sort of early next year to cover the last week of the regular season and, and head into the playoffs. So, uh, Nick, have a good week. You good too, luck. Um, and if you're gambling, do so responsibly. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PuntReturnPod. You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. And you can follow Nick Scudder at Nick Scudder. Until next time, peace.